Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Today, our outreach pastor, Mike Heppola, will continue in our series going through the book of Colossians. You can follow along with this message by opening up your Bible or your Bible app to Colossians 1. You can also find our weekly message outline and many other resources on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or our Brookwood app. He's the only one that can right your wrongs. He's the only one that can break your chains. Isn't that amazing? It's awesome. Well, good morning. My name is Mike Keppel. I'm outreach pastor here at Brookwood, and I am just happy that you're here today on this July 4th week, and hopefully you haven't caused any injury to yourself yet or your kids. Um, so today, I, we're in a series um, in the summer in Colossians and going through the book of Colossians. And today my responsibility is Colossians 1, 24 through 29. So if you want to take your message guide out to your Bible, um, your Bible app or your scroll, and we'll, uh, we'll jump into this passage. So our theme verse for this particular series is found in Colossians chapter 1, verse 6. You'll see it up on the screen here. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Is it changing lives? Does it change your life? Absolutely. So just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. So he is using his word to be able to be spoken out to this world to change people's lives, change people's hearts. So last week, we um, looked at, with David sharing with us, the idea of Christ's supremacy and that he is sufficient, that there's nothing else in this world that compares to him, that he is sufficient for you, he's sufficient for me. So Colossians is a letter written by Paul, and he's in prison, we believe, in, in Rome, And he's addressing this particular book to the church of Colossus. So today, again, we're going to read in Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. So if you have that there, let's let's begin there. So I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches of glory, the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret that Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God has given us. We want 
We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ, and that's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. So when I read a text or reread a text, and a lot of times if I can't fully comprehend or understand what's happening there, I really begin to look at some of the key words that are mentioned there in this passage. So I want you to look at the text here. I want you to yell out some different words that just stand out to you. What are some different words? Suffering. What else? Participating. What else? Responsibility. What else? Serving. So there are a number of words that are mentioned here, and, and a lot of times when I'm looking at that, I, I start to look at main ideas that start to connect together. And what is it that, that the author is trying to say to us, the audience, right? So a good way, a good practice to be able to, to look at how are those big ideas related to each other? So some of you said responsibility. Somebody said responsibility right here in this section. So some versions refer to a commissioning, some refer to a calling, some refer to stewardship. So, so there, there's a calling that's happening here in this passage that Paul's talking about. So, so sometimes we use these words in church and we're like, I, I don't know what that means. What, what is a commissioning or what is, what is a calling? Well, here's, here's what I have here in my notes. A commissioning or calling is this. You and I are called to live out a life with Christ, to be obedient to him. Isn't that a calling? To live out a life with Christ, be obedient to him, and then the call of Jesus himself, him calling us to himself, is the ultimate call on our life, right? That's the ultimate so dreams, ambitions, things that you have that you're, you know, maybe thinking about your life and your direction and your career, that sometimes gets confused with what God's calling is. It's really something that you and I cannot create. We are not designed to create this particular calling. Only God can actually drop that in us. So let me ask you this, when do you think that Paul received his calling or his commissioning? Anybody know? In, in Acts, yes, Acts chapter 9, somebody said uh, Damascus. So let's look at Acts chapter 9. Go back to Acts chapter 9 with me for just a few minutes. And that's where we see Paul begin to get his particular calling. Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. So meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. So obviously Paul is his job, or actually in this case, his name is Saul. Later, his name will change to Paul. But his job at this point was to just take and kill Jews and, and people that were connected to the Christian faith 
and get them out of the way. Okay, so that's what his, his focus is. So as verse, verse three, as he was approaching Damascus on the mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then immediately he says, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Now, drop down to verse 15, okay? Verse 15. So we know that he sent and directed, and there's a guy there named Ananias, okay? If you read in, read in verse 15 with me, but the Lord said, go for, the, for Saul is my chosen instrument, speaking to Ananias, to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as the people of Israel. He's got a calling, right? He doesn't realize that this is happening. And I will show him how much to suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly... Something like scales fell from his eyes, from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. And then he got up and was baptized. And afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. So Paul, Saul, eventually becoming Paul, receives his particular calling here in Damascus. He was commissioned three days after he falls off the horse with the light coming down from heaven and blinding him. He receives that call three days later and primarily to carry the name of Jesus to the Gentiles, to you. If you're not Jewish, he, he, he was claiming to be able to be, be um, commissioned to share the gospel to us, to you and to I. So, but he was going to have to suffer for it, right? That's, that's what scripture says, that his, he was going to experience suffering. I don't know about you, but I probably would have been going, mm, is, is there another calling that you have for me? Right? So, so, so he's called to suffer. Now, it brings up an interesting question to me. Paul's knocked off his horse three days later, you know, he, he has this calling. Let me, let me ask you this. How normal do you think that is in the Christian life? How many, how many of you, let, let, let me ask you this. How many of you can pretty much name the day when Christ just invaded your life and you trusted yourself fully and completely to him? How many of you can remember that day? Some of you that maybe can't remember that day, here's what I want. I want to challenge you. If you're not sure whether or not Christ has invaded your life, at the end of this service, come up and, sh and talk with one of our counselors, and they would love to, sh to share with you what that looks like. But for those of you that fully have experienced that experience with Christ, it's, it's really not normal that three days later that you would experience this particular calling. The important thing is this, that God has a specific calling for each one of us in this room. 
all the way from the top, all the way down to the bottom. All of us are called to be able to do something and, and God wants to commission us to do something great in this particular world. Do you believe that every believer receives a calling? Every believer. Every single believer receives a calling. If you go back to the writings of Paul, Paul actually, um, he, he, he talks overly, over, over many times about what it means to be able to be called by God or commissioned by him to a particular thing, whatever that is. All throughout the, the writings in the New Testament, we see leaders like Timothy and Titus that he says, pursue your calling, pursue it. Are you pursuing your calling? He corrects Demas and Alexander because they abandoned their calling. Nobody should ever abandon their calling. What about Jesus? Jesus looked at his followers and he said, unless you are willing to take up your what? Cross. Unless you're willing to take up your cross... In other words, Jesus is saying, that's, that's your calling. Take up your cross and what? Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Do the things that I've showed and modeled and displayed for you to do. Jesus' cross was a wooden one. Your cross is not going to be a wooden one. But you know, Jesus came to be able to bring redemption and, and redemptive nature to this particular world that was sinful and that was separated from God. And God's saying, I just want, or Jesus is saying in particular, I want you to be taking part and you have a role in that redemptive um, step. You have a part, you have a calling to be able to be a part of what's going on. And you need to take up that cross and be faithful to it, even if it costs them or costs you your life. Now, I know some of you, like, you came here today and you're thinking, this is Independence Day, Mike, come on. Can you give me something a little bit more uplifting? But you know what, I can't help it, it's the gospel, right? It's something that, that it costs us our life. His cost was much greater than what our cost is. But he's not uncomfortable with the idea that the cross might cost someone their life. Now, it doesn't always mean that to the point of death. It may mean a, a, a redirection. It, it may be some changes that happen in your life. It may be sacrificing something in your financial life to be able to go a different direction. Whatever it is, there's a cost to living that calling out. So Paul, you know, Jesus basically, you know, told him, hey, just, just go and wait in the city. And he sat there, he fasted and he prayed. And so after three days, he gets to eat his food, he gets a drink, and then he's praying all the time, God, what are your marching orders? What's your marching orders for me? What am I supposed to be doing? 
Maybe ask yourself that question. God, what am I supposed to be doing? What's that calling that you have for me? I, I think the part of a responsibility that we have in a calling is this. That, that you and I finding out what that plan and what that purpose and what that direction is for us. There's a part that heaven plays, but there's a part that you and I play in that as well. God's saying, I've, I've got some things I'm going to drop in there, but you have to also play a part in that as well. And sometimes here's the case. You and I need to take the ambient noise of our life down and take the distractions away and let God begin to speak clearly what it is that he's calling you to. And, and whatever, maybe you have, you know, th these spiritual gifts that God's given you and he's saying, deploy those gifts. And eventually, if you deploy those gifts, you might find that you start to really understand what his calling is for you. So what is God's responsibility or calling for you? We have specific calling that each one of us have. Some are engineers, some are doctors, some are teachers, some are pastors, some are wives, husbands, etc. But God has a spiritual calling for each of us. And this is something that, that you need to know. It's not just for certain believers, it's for all believers. Say all believers. It's for all of us, every single one of us. So what's your calling? If I ask you right now, take that pen that you have in your, your hand or that pencil, and I want you to write down what that calling is. What is that direction that God and that directive that God has given me? Could you, could you write that down on your notes? If you're not sure, I, I want to encourage you. Here's, here's a, a, a step that you can take. We have a place class that comes up um, on Saturday, July 14th from 9 a.m. to 3.30 over here in Podi to my left. And place helps you to discover your calling and ways that you can serve. So I, I, I encourage you, check your program out or you know, find out ways how to register, go online and uh, find out ways that you can get involved. If you're not sure what that particular calling is. But Paul talks about two general callings that I want to, I want to, I want to hit on quickly in these, in this particular passage that he, that he had, but also is transferred to us. So what's God's calling for me? The first thing is this, to participate in suffering for Christ, participate in suffering for Christ. I know somebody asked me this week, they said, Mike, what are, you, what are you teaching on this week? And I said, well, I'm going to be talking about that you and I need to participate in suffering. And they're like, could you find something a little bit more uplifting? But we are to participate in this particular struggle. Look at, look at um, verse 24. Paul says, I'm glad. <laughs> when was the last time you said that? I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. So Paul talks about his commission, his, his, his goals. Um, but you know what? There's a price tag to it. 
There's a price tag to what he's getting ready to get involved in. When you read it, it's, 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 it's crazy that he is saying, I really, I really, I'm excited about this. What God's next step are for me. I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body. But here's what, here's, if Paul were here today, if Paul were standing right here in my particular spot, I believe that he would say this, Brookwood, you need to know that the kingdom of God never advances in a dark, sin-stained world unless somebody pays a price or takes a hit. The, the kingdom of God does not advance. Listen, if you come here just on a Sunday and you fill a seat and you walk out of here, the kingdom of God does not advance. You hear me? It doesn't advance. You and I have to be engaged and find out what that calling is and we have to live that calling out in order for us to be able to make a difference in this particular world. Look at Acts chapter five, verse 41. You don't have to look it up, just look on the, uh, on the screen here. The apostles had a totally different way and view on suffering. Look at this. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counting them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. <laughs> they counted them worthy. They, they said, we'll sign up for it. Yep, doesn't matter what it, what it is. We're there. We're going to take it on. What if all of us had that perspective? Here's the truth. Our American culture, we really desire to move away from suffering. It did not experience that. We, try to, we, want, we want the gospel, we want things in our life to be able to kind of lead us to a place to where suffering is not part of the experience. But I, you can't get away from it. It is part of the experience of our life. And you grow exponentially through the process, even though it's not fun. Let me, let me, let me tell you a little story about a guy named Ishmael. You see a picture that you'll see up here on the screen of him. Ishmael, I met in Sierra Leone. Ishmael grew up a devout Muslim, Muslim in his village of Kecham. Ishmael got connected with somebody that shared with him about a relationship with Jesus. Ishmael's family was so connected and devout Muslims that it meant that if he makes a connection with Jesus, that his life is done with his family. So I met Ishmael, one of the sweetest guys I've ever, ever met. When I got to, uh, to Sierra Leone for the first time, I met him and Pastor Alfonso, which you guys know is one of our partners, Alfonso came to me and he said, he said, Mike, you're going to kill the goat on Thursday night. You're going to kill that for our dinner. I said, excuse me. I thought he was kidding. He was not kidding. So Thursday night, that was my job. But Ishmael took the skin of that particular um, goat and he skinned it and then eventually made a drum out of that for me that I got as a gift the next time that I came. 
such a giving guy. But here's what happened to Ishmael. Ishmael became a believer. His family totally disowned him. He had no rights to all the next steps of his land or whatever, the money, whatever their family had. He had no rights to that anymore. They were done. Somebody came to him one day and said, hey, I'd love for you, he's a farmer, and so I'd love for you to kind of till my land up and get it prepared for, the, for um, putting you know, the plants and everything in. So if you can do that, I will pay you for that, and then I will eventually give you this land. Ishmael spent three weeks. They don't have in Sierra Leone, you know, they don't have the big you know, equipment that we have. He went and worked with his hands every day for three weeks. And when he got it done, he went to the owner and he said, I've got it prepared. And the man said, thank you, and didn't pay him anything. But you know what? He still prays for that man, still loves that man, but yet this guy suffers every day in many different ways. For what? The gospel. That's what his calling is. I... I went there, um, one of the last times I went to this little hut village to visit with these people, and uh, they gave me a chicken as a uh, little thank you for coming. What am I going to do with a chicken? (laughs) I took it, gave it Ishmael, and said, Ishmael, here, go go feed your family. He was so excited to be able to receive that, you know? But this is, this is, they understand in different cultures what it means to suffer. We have all of these things in our life. Everything is so comfortable about this life. I mean, the air condition, you could, if if, if I told them to turn the air condition off, three quarters of you would walk out the door today. (laughs) But in Africa, they show up. In Sierra Leone, they show up. God, this is my calling. What do you want? Through the suffering, I could tell you story after story after story of people that have suffered around this world for the gospel. And they don't go, I quit. They say, Lord, what's next? What's next? So what's your calling? New Testament suggests five five reasons. I don't have these in your notes. This is is just for um, extra. You don't have to pay me for them. New Testament suggests five reasons for suffering. One, it brings believers closer to Christ. Two, it assures the believer that he belongs or she belongs to Christ. Three, it brings a future reward. Four, results in the salvation of others. And five, frustrates the enemy of our soul, Satan. Sure does. So you know what? You're, you are most like Christ when you suffer. When you suffer, you are most like him. So God's calling is also for us to be able to proclaim his message. Proclaim his message. God's given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. That's what your calling, that's what my calling is. Not only are we supposed to suffer, but we're also to proclaim his message. We have a responsibility to proclaim that. Guys, it's not just for pastors. 
It's for every Christian to be able to proclaim his message. I believe that what Paul is saying is this, for a church to move forward, for a church to overcome evil and defeat the powers of darkness, a price will have to be paid. Someone is going to have to do some dying. Someone's going to have to do some dying to carefree, problem-free life. Someone's going to have to have, a, have, have to die to self-absorption. Someone's going to have to die to lesser dreams and get about the grander vision. Someone's going to have to do a little dying to materialism and honor God with their resources. Someone's going to have to die to a reckless, pleasure-seeking power or fame and take that serving towel and put it on their arm and say, God, I'm here. I'm here to give of myself to you and to your church so that your church can prevail. It blows my mind that Paul would say, again, I just, it, it brings me joy to suffer for your name, to proclaim your gospel. I love to serve you, but yet, you know what? Most of us, including myself, sometimes I'd like, I say, God, I want to serve you at no cost to me. I'll serve you, but let it be no cost to me. I would like to teach. I'd like to lead. I'd like to inspire, but zero costs to me. I've not been able to find a way to make that happen. Have you? It's, it's, it's not possible. It's always, it always costs me something to be able to serve. It costs to help our partners around the world. It costs to help people in our nation. It costs to help our community. We can't help the poor. We can't help the widow. We cannot help the orphan at no cost to us. So what are the challenges that you and I are facing today that keep us from that calling? Maybe it's work, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's activities, sports, maybe you're tired. What is that that's keeping you from that? And I would encourage you, if, you're, if you don't know what that is, take steps to ask God, pray about what that looks like. Get involved in this class or this workshop. Find ways that you can start to get involved and engage in serving your, this church, serving the church as a whole and proclaiming the gospel. And if you already are doing that, grab somebody, encourage them to get involved and take deeper steps. So those are the two things, suffering for Christ, proclaiming the gospel, that's our general calling. That's your calling, that's my calling. But it can be more specific in different areas. Well, Paul talks about goals that he has to proclaim God's message. Let's talk about that just for a few minutes. One, reveal the message to everyone. The message was kept secret for centuries in generations of verse 26, but now it has been revealed to God's people. The, the word secret or mystery actually it refers to an unpenetrable um, puzzle. Or it also, it also comes down to this, initiatory rights. In other words, there's a secret over here 
This group knows about it, but this group does not. But yet that's not, that's not really what God's desire, what his plan was. Many Jews believed that it was only for them to understand and nobody else. Look at Ephesians chapter two. You see it up on the screen. You don't have to look it up. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them, and you lived in this world without God and without hope. So humans cannot discover the mystery of this gospel on their own. It only is imparted through divine intervention. It was God's plan all along for us to be able to experience what that secret was. It wasn't something to keep, be kept secret. It was supposed to be revealed to all of us and to experience his riches in glory that he refers to as well. So the secret is this. Secret is that Christ lives in you and it gives you and I confidence to be able to share and proclaim that message. It's not just an understanding again of the head, but as of the heart as well. And if we understand that, then we can begin to fight against some of the things that the enemy would love to teach us that is false and not and is contrary to his word. Here's the second goal, to teach from God's wisdom. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. You know, we were never meant to settle. We were never meant to just settle in, I'm in a relationship with Jesus, and that's fine. But Paul and God has called us to be able to lead people into Christian faith and let them take steps out of this comfortable lifestyle. That was never part of Jesus' plan. The mission is for you and I to grow up as fully devoted followers to him and to grow up each other. Listen, your job is not only to be able to share the gospel with others, but to be able to help others grow up in that relationship with him. If you're coming here to Brookwood, you're saying, I want somebody to come alongside of me and help me grow in my relationship with him. You're not just sort of surrendered, you're fully surrendered to him. So walking in such a way every day that you're hearing God speak to you, listening to him. I know Perry has talked about that over and over again, to, to listening to what he wants to say to us, hearing his voice, hearing that whisper that he's speaking to us and calling us to something greater. The third thing is this, depend on Christ's power. Depend on Christ's power. That's why I work, Paul says, and I struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. 
The word work here, another translation uses labor, and the Greek word that's used there is kapeo. And it means this, work to the point of exhaustion. Work to the point of exhaustion. Paul was writing saying, I, I, I'm working to the point of exhaustion. I'm laboring to where I cannot do anything else anymore. I'm struggling for you, for all of you churches. I'm struggling for Laodicea. I'm struggling for Colossae. I'm struggling for all these places. I don't have the best equipment. I don't have the best lighting. I don't have the best parchment. I don't have the best whatever. But yet God has called me to be able to live this life out and struggle through it every day and not to give up. He's juggling the responsibility of leading this church from prison. He's been stoned. He's been beaten. He's been robbed. He's been ridiculed, almost killed for his calling. But he feels deeply about his calling. That he knows there's a price. So you know that there are, again, people around this world, believers who have to pay a price a lot more than what you and I have to pay. There's a, there's a couple in our, in our um, family here at Brookwood that have walked through struggle in their life, but yet they really have a heart for sharing and proclaiming the gospel. And so I want, I want to show you this particular story through video um, just to see how God is using them to be able to really share what it means to struggle in this life. Watch this. I was blessed growing up in a Christian home with a mother and daddy and grandparents that we went to church every, every Sunday. And around 10 years of age is when I first met the Lord and felt that spirit move within me. But uh, in my 50s, I slipped away completely, stopped going to church and uh, became uh, an individual who was living outside the Lord and was addicted in some ways to other things, the busyness of life, getting caught up in all of that busyness. And I was so unhappy with my life and who I was that uh, I went out to my car one night and slammed that trunk down and I asked God to get me out of the mess that I was in. And a couple of weeks later, I did the same thing. God get me out of the mess that I'm in. And then the night before my accident, I went out and one last time said, God, get me out of the mess I'm in. The next day at three o'clock, I was involved in an automobile accident. And that automobile accident left me paralyzed from the chest down with no feeling or movement from the chest down. I applied to become one of Mike's caregivers. It happened at a time when I needed someone. I needed someone that would bring me closer to God. And I actually found Mike did that for me, and I had prayed for God to be in my life for a long time. Things progressed. Um, Mike and I actually, over the years, totally fell in love with each other. Uh, we eventually got married. And we decided that God would be at the head of our marriage. 
because that was the only way we were ever going to make it. When the adversities hit us, we have to realize that that adversity is going to teach us something. We're going to learn from it. I learned to love more than I've ever loved before. And I've met such great people and being able to even meet my wife. And she takes great care of me. Every night when I go to bed, she lifts me from this chair and puts me in bed. And then she takes the covers and covers me up around my shoulders, runs her fingers through my hair so the pillow doesn't mess up my hair during the night. What a wonderful experience it's been being married to her. So um, it's been a great, great life, wonderful life. I've learned so much from Mike. Um, I admire him. I respect him. And I love him. It's been, you know, there are days that are very hard. But um, at the end of the day, it's, it's a blessing. It's a real blessing. My life before the injury was paralyzed in the ways of the world. I was always doing and living the life of a worldly person. I was paralyzed in that world, miserable. But God was able to take me in and paralyze my body, but he gave me freedom with my mind and heart. And I am really free now more than I ever was when I was able to run and play. But isn't it, that's, that's just the way God works. A ways that we just don't understand. So in the midst of their struggle, you know, the Collins, they lead small group, teach around Brookwood, do all kinds of different things for the sake of the gospel in the midst of their struggle. And so I, I pray that um, you really capture what it means to, to, to really live out this particular life in God's power, not your own power. You know, the word that's used there is dunamis, dynamite. To, to, to live out your life that's struggling according to his energy, which energizes me in his power. God desires to use us all. What if we collectively said, God, take us and help us to live out this calling fully and completely and what would happen to this church? What would happen to this community? What would happen to this world as a result of us collectively coming together and living that out? If you want to um, pray with somebody about that, or maybe anything else that you've got in your life, maybe those of you that maybe don't know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to ask the counselors to come now, and you just come down here in, in front, and they would love to pray with you um, this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we um, are so grateful for, Lord, the calling that you have, you've given to us. Lord, I pray that, that you'll help each person here today live out what it means to truly give of themselves suffering and all to you. 
to proclaim your gospel boldly and courageously to people in their families, in their, in their workplace, in their neighborhoods, wherever it is that they come in contact with people in the restaurants, wherever. God, I pray that, that you raise us up to, to live this calling out completely for you. And God, that we would see all glory and honor come back to you. Lord, thank you for this weekend just to, and this week to celebrate our independence and what people have sacrificed for us. But Lord, we also think about what you have done for us and we thank you for that as well. We just praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. If you would like to know more about the many ways you can connect with other Christians here, or if you just have any questions about who we are, you can email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.